Hello. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? Doing well. Very well. Doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty <laughs> good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's everything up there? Wait. Um, you know, I'm a little worried, a little concerned. Yeah. Did Did you have a chance to follow up with Monica? Uh, no, you know what? We did get a follow-up email, but I haven't, I've been holding off. Oh, it's been off, there for so five, five days, Dan. You're kind of the business lead on well, this, Well, I team. wanted to follow up with you and, you know, okay. feel right. you out on, right. on, the, on the issue yeah. uh, to see if it's something we, we wanted to, to, to pursue or not. Well, I don't, okay. I'm, you know, this is probably something we should talk about off-air. Um, because, you know, it's been five days now since Monica followed up. Right. And she, it was actually, we, we let it go for two weeks, according to her email. Well, I think from the tone of her email, I think she's she's being very patient. Yeah. <laughs> High staff of back to work. No, she's got that right. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That's one for Monica. That's right. Put it up on the board. Maybe she's listening. I reached out. <laughs> I reached out about two weeks ago <laughs> regarding a collaboration with Peck Pong Pet. Just to reiterate, Peck would make an ideal fit as a guest speaker on your podcast. He's the founder of several successful ventures from Silicon Valley, <laughs> such as popular Instagram Pinterest app, Pectacular, <laughs> the movies app, Marquee, and UI slash UX design firm, Impeccable. With a his K. Experience, with a K. His, his experience would make for a fun and informative podcast that your audience would enjoy. Looking forward to your response. Mm-hmm. Best, Monica. <laughs> So that's, that's the, we're coming up, we're pushing out on a week now. Monica's, it's been almost three weeks since she reached out to us about regarding a, a co- collaboration with Peck Pong Pet. I think I figured something out here about Peck yeah. and what he's up to is okay. I think he's trying to do like a media blitz right now. And I think he re- has realized correctly that back to work is part of that vehicle that he needs to ride to whatever next level he's on his way to. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think you're. Don't you that agree? Little, well, you're, you're putting that a little bit cynically. That's a, that's a little bit cynical. When you have a peck pong pet, when you when you have someone who's made spectacular and uh, and impeccable as a peck pong pet, right? You know, I think regarding the links that they sent us to show that peck pong pet would be such a, a good fit for our program, it's clear that part of his strong suit uh-huh. is uh, is explaining how to get bloggers to to respond to your email. And so, I mean, I, part of his, I understand, like, let's be honest. We're talking about Peck Punk Pet here. A lot of his skill set <laughs> is in the UI slash UX. I mean, he did that back support app. That's right. Remember what's it called? Inbackable? <laughs> so, but I mean, let's be honest. The thing is, this is going to be, this is going to be the, a victory lap for, for Peck Punk Pet. Because mm-hmm. obviously he loves the show. He's listening to the show. He knows we're taking the piss out of him every week. And yet he's a good sport about it. He says to Monica... Monica, don't stop. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You keep contacting staff of Back to Work. You let them know Peck Bong Pet is a perfect fit for their show. So that's the beauty part of this, is that he's being a gentleman about it, and we're the ones who are being chodes. Yeah. We should have Peck Bong Pet on the show to have his well-earned victory lap, because even though he listens to the show every week, he knows we've never had a guest on this show. He knows we have two he knows we have no desire to have a guest on this show. And C, he knows that we're making fun of him every week, and yet he sticks with it. Right. So when he gets well, on the show... Well, he can't stop now. Now it's a matter of pride for him. Oh, it's more than pride. It's gumption, and it's what you call grit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, so no, he can't uh, back down now. Yeah, I, I I composed like three different replies to this, and I just I have one sitting here in the uh, in the drafts box. What does it say? Can I hear it? Monica, a staff of Monica. Would Peck have any advice for appearing on a podcast he's never heard? Because candidly, Monica, I really feel like he would. And then I, I didn't send it because I'm a gentleman. Anyway, Peck Pong, Peck, I just want to say. First of all, retroactively and, and, and for the future, I, I apologize in retrospect uh, and on the strength that we haven't had you on yet. But this is something that it's obviously this is it's testing all of us. And I think we're all going to come out of this stronger. I, you know, I like the guy. Yeah. I think he's, you know. Well, he's done some terrific work. I'm a big fan of his work. Spectacular. More than movies at Marquee. Oh, what about the what about the the back app, the UI UX slash UX? <laughs> oh, you're talking about impeccable, impeccable. I think anything where you can integrate your name into a product's name, oh yeah, in such well, a way is unbelievably special. Well, and that's that's the funny part. I mean, we kid. We're, obviously, we're, a lot of this is joking, but I did a fair amount of research on my own about this. And did you? This, this is the, 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 the peck of the iceberg. Okay. There's so much more under here. Um, you, <laughs> do you know Do you know about his uh, food location social media app called, called uh, Peckish? N- no. Is, is that real? Peckish? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got a whole wow. bunch of these. Oh, he's, he's got one uh, for finding uh, hardwoods for your house called Peckerwood. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, you can't make this stuff up. The guy's a genius. UI slash UX. Oh, right? my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a peckle. Uh, that that's one about opening jars. It's an app that he he did the UI slash UX for. The trick is the way you you keep your arms straight. It's not a wrist thing. You you, you turn with the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You're you're a wrench. <laughs> you're a big wrench. He innovated that. He's that's he's leading that thought. This this leads technology. to one of our nominal topics this week <laughs> is that there's people who think inside the box. Mm-hmm. There's people who think outside the box, and people who say, you know what, there was never a box. <laughs> that's impeccable. Yes. Peck pong pet. <sighs> hmm. Good week. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. We have fun, don't we? I, I really, yeah, I'm really interested to learn more about what he, you know, what he has done. Well, and you know, the listeners, um, I don't, I don't even, I, I <laughs> to, to quote one of, um, was it Jimbo? Are you being sarcastic? I can't even tell anymore. Yes. Okay. There is this part of me now at this point that does want to have him on as a gentleman and explain why we're making fun of him and then have him be able to respond and say like why what he's doing is a good thing. And for, for that, for that, we would just give him a, a very, a very small, large fee of, uh, he kept to give us $10,000. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why not charge him for it? You don't have to pay it all. You could pay up front. You could get. You could pay it in uh, installments. Will Fresh Books use something? Fresh Peck pe- pe- Books. Will Peck Books use something? You could pay us with Peck Bucks. Peck Bucks. Peck Bucks. It's like Peck, it's co- like peck great- Coin. I think you're thinking of. It's <laughs> part of the Peck Chain. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh Lordy Lord. So Monica, thanks. Did you see who was it that did this? I'm trying to remember who did this it might have been jay hathaway hmm. somebody uh, that follow on twitter did like a like a canary trap thing where they said they, they put this ridiculous phrase in their linkedin profile and said if you actually want to contact me use this phrase oh yeah and if the, so if you didn't it's like the m&m thing if you didn't use 
It's exactly like the M&M thing. That, it's what they call game yeah. theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Sneak peek. <laughs> so, peck picks. Peck, pong, peck. Uh, if we could get, if we get, what's what's that other guy's name? Tyler Rambo. Who's yeah, the other guy? Ty, Ty Lam, Lambo is Ty, what we Ty call Lambo. him. Yeah, Ty Lambo. Yeah, right. <laughs> we could get the two of them on, or just duke it out. I think it'd be great to have two guests on a show and tell <laughs> each of the other one that they're the guest interviewer, so they Wait, both right. go on the show, and you you just sit on mute and listen I, to the two of them figure out what's going on. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. What? It, you couldn't pull this off because you could see the faces in Skype. But there's a part of me that wants to invite everyone, <laughs> everyone who has ever demanded to be on the show, oh, yeah. have them all on the same episode at the same time. <laughs> we could do it. What if we had 35 guests on one episode? That would be amazing. Yeah. We did do that's, a call-in three, episode, three, remember? $350,000 American for us. Oh, my God. We'd do one but, show a year, retire. We don't even need a reason. Right. That would be amazing. That could be, that would be the final show. What do you think? Rhubarb, rhubarb. 35 people. Mm. That's a lot of media penetration. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm, now I'm spent. I'm winded. I don't have the energy to respond to Monica at this point. I'm exhausted. You know what they don't tell you when you get a cat? I, I, had, I had a really good night's sleep last night. I had like, uh, according to Fitbit, I had like an outstanding night's sleep. From so the time deep, I went, deep sleep, not much wake up. I had one, well, this won't mean a lot to you, but basically you can see in Fitbit that if, if there's nothing there, you were sleeping like pretty good. If there's a little thin blue line, that means you stirred a little bit. And where there's a red line, you were, according to Hoyle, awake. So I had from, it was like 1230 to 615, I had like, the, the deepest sleep I've ever had was like just these two, two slender blue lines, which is like ridiculous. I never sleep that well. And then the cat sneezed on my face. <laughs> just hear this, just hear this, just hear this. That's all you hear. You don't, you don't hear it coming. You might hear this little, because she's already, you know, she's an extreme Persian. She's a, she's a hideous uh, monstrosity as an animal. What, what genetics has done to her, uh-huh. she is like an island of Dr. Moreau level. Really? She's terrible. She's a terrible animal. And so she's constantly going like, or like, but then you just hear, and I'm covered with cold. Old cat's not. She makes those kind of like little boogers, those little innocuous white boogers that are the size of like a sea pebble. She makes those. So mm. I slept pretty well most of the night. My humidity is amazing right now. I've you got, got a, amazing, a dehumidifier? Uh, my relative humidity is on point right now. You could store cigars just out on the counter. What are you, what's your thing? 7272? 7272, buddy. 70, Never forget 72. it. Live, 72, 72. Live the dream. Yeah. I should get back into that. That's that was called fun. Florida. <laughs> Florida at night. <laughs> Florida at night. Yeah, it's <laughs> one giant humidor. Walk in, have a seat. That's Florida. All humidor, no cigars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all wrapping, no presents. Yeah. So uh, you want to button this up? Yeah. It's been a big week. Uh, it's been a huge week. How are you? How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I've the rumor mill. Has uh, begun swirling a little bit. Oh, I about, saw you talk about this. Yeah. yeah, the the one thing I've been waiting for from Apple for a few years. I'm starting an, an to apology. <laughs> yeah, an apology uh, for not making a new 
a new MacBook uh, Pro. So I'm, I'm hoping we get one of those because I'm due to get one. So I'm actually, I have something to look forward to coming out of WWDC. This is a, it's that I, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there because, you know, there's an interesting little chain of dependencies here that, you know, anybody with half a brain thinks about, which is that, you know, if there is money to be made in the Apple ecosystem by people other than Apple and their partners, yeah. it is on a good day developers. And yes. so developers can make things for the Mac app store. Developers can make things for the iOS app store, which, you know, for a long time was a pretty good gravy train. And now it's more of like, you know, like a, like a gravy dumpster title, but you, um, <laughs> but here's the thing. If you want to make an iOS app, there's like one way to make that, which is on a Mac with OS 10, right? right? There's not, there's not currently a way you can't go homebrew yourself an Android and then go make up some, uh, some apps, right? You've got you to have a Mac using OS 10. Yeah. So, I mean, when people bemoan the future of the Mac, one thing to keep in mind is there'll be at least a couple people out there keeping the lights on by making iOS apps on a Mac. I mean, if at the very least, it's an important tool in that space. I think I talked to you about it before in that because the development and the stuff that I do generally, like I'm at the point where I don't, I use a Mac because I prefer it, but not because I need to be using a Mac. But like you're saying, for people who are building the iOS apps, it is the number one tool, regardless of what software they wind up using. At the end of the day, like you're using Xcode to build this thing. Right. And I think there are other technologies out there that are supposed to compile something down to, have you heard about that? Like mm -mm. They, you build one app and then it, it automatically ports it. Ports it and, uh, you know, but that's, that's not where it's at. Where it's at is you're in Xcode all day, you know typing in uh, in Objective-C or Swift and, and making an app. And they, you know, I don't think that the amount of money that Apple makes from Macs is trivial. Uh, it's, it's not. I, I thought I saw a comparison where somebody was saying that the amount of money that Apple makes selling Macs is as big or bigger than this other entire company. And I, I yeah, wish... Yeah, no, Jason Snell did a whole thing on this, um, took a lot of heat about it, but basically doing this, little Jonathan Swift speculative fiction thing. I'm like, what if we took the iPhone out of the equation? Right, that's what it was. I'll find yeah, that. And, put and it in I the think Macs, I think Macs have the, see, I, I with all respect to Jason, I, I don't actually care what this answer is, but it's something along the lines of the Mac line is equivalent to a Starbucks. It's just that, and this is the thing that I'm getting, 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 and this actually does get to the, the nominal topic this week is that, you know, it's the story this past couple of weeks has been Apple's dying because right. this, this line is going down. Well, as I understand it, the line that's going down is year over year growth. It's not like profits. It's not revenue. It's not, you know, it's, it's their growth has gone down, which is a very different story from, you know, being on the rocks. Right. You know what I mean? And which isn't to say, I mean, like, I think anybody, again, anybody with half a brain is going to go, well, that's certainly not a great sign. And everything I'm hearing now is that supposedly, what they call their third quarter. Is that right? The, the quarter that we're in right now is going to be... Right, they're different from the traditional... Really bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. The, the, this is going to be, one hopes, you know, the low point for them. But uh, anyway, however you decide to slice it, and, you know, and we'll get back to this in a bit, is that what does it mean? What does it... What must it mean to you as a company, as a corporation, as an enterprise, or even as a person? What does it mean to have to be growing what kind of growth has to grow 
is that dollars? Is that, you know, what are the various, what are the various metrics? And like, once you're in a situation, like, do you, do you have to grow all the time? Which the answer for corporations, the public corporations is yes, you have a fiduciary responsibility to grow, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You don't get to just say, we're going to take five years off. Like, don't be a dick. Like you're going to have to keep growing. So are you still interested in talking about that? Yeah, very much. Okay, cool. Um, we can, as they say, circle back to that. Can we do a little bit of a uh, little bit of follow up? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I always say whenever you do that, I always think of it. Was it uh, what was that show from like late eighties, early nineties? Was it a, a current affair? And it would have the little triangle Jing. spinning, <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know that that one? Of course, they do. Current That's, affair. Uh, that- that was uh, wasn't that Bill O'Reilly's old show? No, no, no. It was uh, it, it, hard copy. Oh, I remember. No. no, I know what you mean. But the logo is like one of those seven thirty in the evening shows. Yeah. The logo would come ching a current affair. Yeah, and it was like it was. If I remember correctly, it was sort of presented like a PBS style public affairs show, but it was really like a gossipy headline. Oh, it was show. all gossip. Yeah, it was all yeah. gossip. Next time on a current affair. Current um, affair. Current affair. Current affair. Now, what was Bill O'Reilly on? What did he used to be on? Bill O'Reilly used to be on something. A current affair US TV series. Yeah, that's it. I'm looking at the little triangle right there. He was on Inside Edition. Oh, that wasn't the Huang. No, you're right. Remember, extra, extra, extra. Yes, (laughs) yes. 1986 to 1996. It's weird how you get a phrase in your head sometimes. A phrase or a sound or a chong. Yeah. Just get that in your head. The logo of the show is a distinctive pyramid with a zoom-like sound effect immortalized as the kachung for a theme. Oh. While, some, while showing some hard news stories, the focus of the show is often entertainment scandals, gossip, and exploitive tabloid journalism. Mmm, proud legacy. I'll try and find the audio yeah. uh, of that and put that in the show notes, too. We, are, we have some notes about how we're supposed to say... The URL to the show, though. Oh God, I love that guy. Who it's just I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night in, unless we just ignored his email, though, just to know that we're driving him completely crazy. All right, I'm down with that. Okay, so so what he's saying, <laughs> he's saying W is not a number; it's a numeral. Is that correct? Is it also a digit, Dan? Right, let me find his. Oh God, are you going to read it? No, I, we don't have to read it. I just I don't want I don't want to shame him. I just thought it was a funny it was a funny email. It was a good email. It's amazing to have the power to unintentionally drive someone crazy. Irk someone. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Apparently when we were- Actually, it's Star Trek. (laughs) I know. I know. And that's why I say Star Trek. We were saying- That's the reason that I say it. I I think he was- uh, So when we we say what our URL is, so I I would say in the past, until today- B B as in brothers. B as in brothers. Two as in the number. W as in walrus. walrus. Yeah. As you do. Slash two seven one. What he's saying is, it should. I should not be saying the word number. I should be saying the word numeral. So B is in brothers. Two is in the numeral. W is in walrus. Have you ever heard that? Have that? Have you ever heard that? I haven't, but I know these things mean things. (laughs) Yes. This is why this is this. This is why it's fun to provoke John Syracuse about things like no, because they do have meanings and. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I haven't looked this up. I just saw it this morning and, or yesterday, and he seems like a nice man. Uh, I mean, I think an, a numeral or a digit is, a, is one of those little <laughs> single-digit numbers, right? right? I think I'm guessing number means part of a sequence. So in other words, you could say 
numeral numeral two, it's like if you're making a an ordered list, right? The first item would be number one, even if the subject of number one was numeral two. Oh, the wow. second item in a sequence or zero, excuse me, sorry. First item is zero. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you've got the details. What are how of that. many is engagements it, began over a conversation like this? Is it is it zero? Is it Zed? Is it null? Zed. Is it nil? That's dead, baby. Zilch. Mm-hmm. Bubkis. I think Nada. I think we ought to say yes in Bubkis. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two, Bubkis one. <laughs> Five eight eight two three Bubkis Bubkis Empire. Why does everyone know that? No, I think zero zero is Bubkis. 10 is double bupkis. (laughs) 100 is triple triple bupkis. Mm -hmm. Bupkis. That'd be a cute name for for, for a girl. Yeah. yeah, Hey, oh, you should meet our new daughter, Bupkis Adriana. I still remember uh, Phil Rizzuto in the money store. The money store. It's Phil Rizzuto. Hey. (laughs) Remember that? He'd roll him out. It was yeah. Again, you can't once you've seen the Simpsons, you can't unsee Simpsonsy things. I know. Phil Rizzuto. I found it. I found it. Now was he? He was a catcher. Yeah, he did. uh, He did things in baseball. So he was he was a bottom. They call it. (laughs) I watched uh, the. I'm going to cancel this view. This view thing's crazy. It's it's not worth the money. God God bless you, PlayStation. But uh, I don't think I'm going to get. Oh yeah, you finally you got cutting it off. I haven't done it yet, but it's like it's you know it's another one of those things where you have to watch something go by. And your checking account like three times before you're like, oh, I'm really gonna get it this time, oh, man. Um, because you got it to cancel it, you have to do it on the PlayStation. But anyway, uh, what is cool is it has gajillions of Seinfelds, and I watched the Seinfeld, one of the pretty good late Seinfelds called, I think it's called the Nap, and it's the one where Jerry's getting his apartment remodeled by Connie, the guy who who wants an answer on every tiny decision. Elaine is seeing the guy who buys her a bed. Kramer is swimming in the East River. And George has realized that he can take naps under his desk. <laughs> is and he working back. at the at the uh the stadium? Yeah. 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 And and but he's he's uh he hires Connie to come in and add a cup holder and a place for an alarm clock and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, it's a line you've heard me use many, many times, and I went back just for the glory of hearing Larry David as George Steinbrenner do it again. He said, Where's George? Where's George Costanza? Where is he? And he, he sits in the office while George is under the desk and George George can't get out. Oh man. He says, Oh, people magazine, people magazine. Ooh, Connie Selica. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some good, you know, it's funny how some shows really do hold up and how other shows like they'll, they'll be great when they come out. Then it'll seem like they'll suck for a while and then they'll get good again. Kind of along with the times changing. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Well, you know, I mean, that show was awfully good really a lot of the time mm-hmm. for, for several seasons. I mean, I, I, I'm trying not to be that guy, but you know, the, the Larry David run of that show when they had many great writers and he was the, the voice of that show was pretty great. And the show did get really weird when they started getting, you know, more diversity in the writers and eventually it got silly. You get yeah. the parade and stuff like that. But, uh, but I mean, there's still, I have to say there's some episodes I enjoy more now than then because I have distance from it. I'm not comparing it to what I saw two years ago. Oh yeah. So an episode like that is so packed with silly. It's so packed with stupid because do you remember the episode? So Kramer has been swimming every day at the pool and then he discovers that the old people are coming in for aqua size and he can't get in the lane anymore. So he decides to start swimming in the East river. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is the most polluted, the second most polluted waterway on the Eastern seaboard. And, uh, but there's a point, there's this totally gonzo scene where like, um, a middle-aged dad and his son are looking through those binocular things. Like they're not even in the show. They're just standing there by the East river. And the, the, the son, the son is looking through the binoculars. <laughs> and what does the kid say? The kid says something like, um, He's like, look, look, dad, it's a dolphin or something like that. And the father goes, no, son, that's a dead body. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's such a weird show. And that one's got so much packed into it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot about smells on that show. It's a good program. Uh, Seinfeld, check it out. Are you watching it? Did you get the, did you get like the, the, the whole season somewhere? Are you watch, is it on Netflix? Where? Well, this is the thing with <clears throat> PlayStation View, and I, I part of this is I have not dedicated the effort to exactly oh, it's understand. All on it. that. Well, the thing is, the view view is in some way. So, view for those who are just tuning in, hello, welcome, Peck Bong Pet. Uh, view is a service offered through PlayStation that is an over the top cable. To, to, well, okay, so so here's the thing. To me, never having had a Comcast uh, DVR, to me, it's a lot like having cable TV. You can watch live TV. Uh, it has DVR-like functionality where you can quote-unquote record things, which you're not really exactly recording them. You're more like saying, <clears throat> if this is available to stream from the cloud, put it in my pile. As available. Expires as available. And the problem is the terms, it's not like having a TiVo. With a TiVo, if you recorded it, it's on your TiVo until you know <laughs> it either crashes, ages out, or you know, gets pushed out by newer content. Not true with this. It's more, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's more like Hulu or Netflix in that sense that things are going to be here for a while. Some things will be here for a while and go away after a week or three. Other things, you might get the entire catalog. Like I went in and like there was, so, for practical purposes with my scrolling, it looked like every Seinfeld was in there. Tons of Seinfelds. So what you do is you go in and you don't really record a show, you mark a show as favorite. And then that basically becomes, you know, streamable within the constraints of that show. But then there's tons of asterisks. There's some shows that are not available to stream at all or to record. There's some that are not available outside of that unit. Some that are not available outside that house, right? So it's a strange mix. It is good. I would say if you're somebody who likes stuff like, what, sports, news, right? it's a good alternative. And it's like 30, 40 bucks a month for the package I've got. But yeah, but it's, it's perplexing. There are so many individual services out there offering different things, and it's become kind of frustrating and in some cases a little bit expensive to get all the stuff that you want. There was one of these uh, web comics that came out that was saying, before I used to pay $50 a month for cable, and now I pay $75 a month for all these subscription services that I need to get my content, but, you know, I'm not paying for cable anymore. And there's kind of two sides to that. And one is so many of us just, we don't want to pay anything to our cable providers because they're so terrible uh, that, that I'd be willing to pay more for less to not pay them. But the other side of it is like, yeah, this stuff does kind of add up. There isn't a really great solution out there for, you know, for getting the kind of stuff that you want. And surprisingly, I found one channel that comes in really good over the HDTV on air thing. It's got weather, it's got news, and the TV is just sort of locked into that channel. Whenever we switch over to to the uh, to the antenna, it just we keep it on the one channel. Sometimes on the weekend there there'll be a sporting event. Sometimes there's news on it. It's, uh, you know, sometimes there's some strange crime dra- uh, drama 
that's it's on like every now. station lives in a separate drawer. Yeah. And you kind of have to go and open that drawer and close the others to get there. You know what I mean? Um, there's a, I watched a pr- really pretty funny, uh, stand up, um, sh- comedy, a stand up movie, like a performance. <laughs> Word don't work good for me. Uh, this guy named Gary Goulman has a funny stand up special on Netflix. And, uh, he does a kind of a Louis CK ish bit that was very funny about, you know, <laughs> about saying like, you know, uh, you think about like how things used to be. And now today you've got this device and you're like, I want, uh, I want music on this. And you're like, Oh, you, you want, you want like all the music you've ever owned? No, I want all the music in the world right, right. all the time. What do you want to pay for it? Pay for it. <laughs> it's like the most amazing device you can imagine. And nobody wants to pay for it. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you though, because it can be extremely confusing. The nice thing is if you have some, so, so first of all, like if you want to like watch over the air TV, that's a fairly low cost investment, but you're not like we've, 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 we've both done that. You know, you don't automatically get recording and stuff like that, but you basically you get back to where we were in 19, what, 89, you get to like have a bunch of channels you can watch. Um, and there are some things that you can try out with relatively little risk and exposure, but they almost all require a device. So if you don't own a PlayStation, I don't think you can't get PlayStation View. If you don't own a TiVo, you can't get the TiVo service, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? But if you do have these devices, if you have an Apple TV, if you have a Roku, it is nice to be able to go in and say, hey, I wonder, I'm going to try HBO for three months and see if that's, if that's something I, I want. And then you can always cancel it. That's cool. Yeah, I love it. And that's the one thing about these services that really is great is that you can get them for as long as you want them and no more. And when you're done, you just turn it off. So like, yeah, we subscribed. I did, I did some math and I found that it would be about break even to buy the Game of Thrones on iTunes as it would to have a few months of HBO. But if I, but I'm not going to watch these things twice. And if I go with HBO now, then I can also watch some other fun shows that I enjoy watching. And there's some movies my kids want to watch. So you actually, you know, it's not that expensive to do it for a few months. And when Game of Thrones is gone, cool, then I'll be done with it. I'll, call, I'll turn it off. And then next year, when Game of Thrones comes back, I'll turn it back on. I'm trying to find an article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's an article. Uh, in show, I'll put it in show notes. Uh, Tim Goodman wrote, uh, for the Hollywood Reporter, it's from April twenty fourth, called "Critics Notebook: Why the Return of HBO's Best Shows Actually Spells Doom." What, he didn't write the headline. Like he, very clear to say, I did not write that headline. But it's a very interesting article, and here's here's basically what he says. You think about HBO. Is there any channel or provider that we can look at historically? I mean, who has done more to like revolutionize what can be done with TV in the last twenty five years? Right, HBO started a whole thing that's now all you know but you think go back to mr show sex in the city uh larry sanders those 90s shows where people went what hbo's making tv shows that's so strange but they were there were so many shows that were really good and then you get the sopranos and you get the wire and you get these you know pretty amazing shows but he he this is uh, i wish that was a different headline but he said something very provocative that i thought was really interesting he said today april 24th is a bittersweet Sunday for HBO. Tonight, it's three best properties now and for the near future have their premieres. Total running time, two hours. So he's saying basically Game of Thrones, Veep, and Silicon Valley. You know, and there are, <clears throat> there are other shows that are good but going away, like Leftovers and Girls, he says. But that was a very interesting point where like, it's not that HBO is going to be like in trouble, but the 
if you the shows that are like you know every each network has their own like kind of marquee show like for a long time AMC had Mad Men they got the right. Walking Dead etc right. everybody's got their marquee shows but like it's interesting to, to wonder like how many people are going to keep HBO for a year based on two hours of programming a week I'll throw in John Oliver too so let's call it two and a half hours a week yep. but that's what I watch I did not like vinyl I couldn't make it through the first episode uh, some people love it love it love it don't let me turn you off it I just it wasn't for me. But there's not that much stuff that I seek out on HBO. In addition to which, their app is kind of a mess. It's not kind of a mess. Their app is a mess. It's yeah. it's very. Each time you use the HBO app, it's like the first time you've used it. Right. You have to drill down, and it's. So I, it's an interesting time for sure, and I I'm not sure I'm going to keep HBO. I mean, it's not that much, but it's kind of a lot compared to like what we get out of Hulu. Oh yeah, Hulu's but, Hulu's kind of amazing. It's like uh, it's it it it's the most valuable if i had to get rid of everything else that would be all right and and my apple tv would just run hulu like that's pretty close to what i need i mean it's got so much of everything especially kid stuff well but here's what this stuff has done to my aging brain it's made me it's, i'm so confused at this point you know i'm confused in general like as a person yeah but then it gets really weird so um we were fixing to go see actually you know what we had gone to see um Captain America on Saturday. And then uh, we were, you know, re-excited about it. How was it? How was it? My opinion? Yeah. Extremely good. Okay. Because we're set to go this Saturday. It's long. Um, yeah, it is. Are you taking a little girl? No. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, you know, you guys will that be was, fine. That was just a little concern because it's like all, like a three-hour. No, it's really long. Yeah. And there's a lot of fighting, but... There's one one sequence in that you've seen scenes from this, like you know you've seen this trailer. Yes, there's a character that that you have loved in the past yes. who shows up. That scene is going to be on top ten lists for years. Oh, that wow. sequence of what they pull together in like that fight scene, you know, you know what's going on. You know who's fighting who. You know where, and it's just it's so fun and so funny. Really good. Anyway, yeah, highly recommend it. We um so on Sunday we were like, oh yeah, let's watch that Avengers show we like. What is it? Avengers Assemble? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, ding, hit Siri. Avengers Assemble. And it pulls up Avengers Assemble. And I'm like, oh, we can't find that episode called Breakout. There's a two-part episode called Breakout based on the, you know, the the comic, the wonderful comic. Right. You, you ever read Breakout? You read that. Where Electro, like, helps basically open up every shield facility and all, like, oh, all I remember of that. It was really, it was really, really good. The art's kind of meh, but the writing's great. And then we go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It wasn't Avengers Assemble. It was that other show. It was called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Okay, okay, okay. So you go, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And we've watched episodes of this show when she was three. Like, this was her favorite show. The world's about to break. You know, Jack Black doing Iron Man. Like, great, great cartoon. And so, you ever watch it? No. You never watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes? No. Oh, it's so cute. It's really fun. And it's not goofy. It's not like Teen... I, I like Teen Titans Go, but it's it's a little more serious than that. It's a really fun show for like an eight-year-old kid. And, um, and then we go like, oh yeah, so that... And so, it wasn't on Netflix anymore, which is I'm pretty sure where we watched it. And then I was like, wait a minute. I thought we... Did we buy a season of this? And I go and I look, we haven't bought any seasons of that. And then I'm vaguely remembering that I'd gotten some off the back of the truck at some point, but I'm not sure. And now that's gone. 
So, I mean, it's this whole world of confusion about where I watched this, what it's called, do I own it, in what state, when did we watch this, was it available, where? I'm not saying this is everybody, but this is kind of the landscape for somebody. And I know this show. I've seen this episode like five times. I've seen the Breakout Part 1 episode many, many times. And so finally, we go over to iTunes and we bought three episodes. So I I bought $9 worth of children's TV on iTunes. And it's like, that doesn't, it feels good in the sense that I'm not being a pirate. But on the other hand, it's like, oh God, that is a very costly way to watch a cartoon. Yeah. And like when you're doing that for like whatever freaking chopped, you're going to pay like $3 for now. How many times are you going to watch that? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many shows out there. You get so much more out of, but yeah, I don't know. I want the money to be there. I want people to keep making this stuff. And, you know, it is, as they say on that show that Jason does with, you know, Tim Goodman, times of confusion. Like there's just so much good TV out there. It's overwhelming. But the way that we get it, man, this is so far from a solved problem at this point. But it we're seems lucky like it, it could be straightforward. It seems like it could be, but people, there's companies don't want it to be. They don't want to work together. They don't want a shared app. They don't want a shared experience. They want it to be very, very different. And the way that these companies, whether it's, you know, whether it's HBO or whether it's just, you know, ABC or forget who it, it doesn't matter. They see themselves as completely separate entities, the way that, you know, NBC and CBS, they understand they're both television networks, but they want nothing to do with one another. Maybe a better analogy would be MLB and NFL. You know, mm-hmm, they're right. they're both sports, but like they're not going to do anything the same way. They're not going to take tickets the same way. They're not going to air their events the same way. There's nothing about them that they want to be the same. They don't want to merge those two things. Why? Because, yes, right, they're sports, right. but they're totally unrelated. That's all of this content. When and wait, it feels of, like to us, but it feels like to us, if it's sports, it should be this. Right. Right. I mean, that that seems like your point is like, each company is going to make these different decisions, but we as the consumers are like, we have to learn a different system just because we want to watch a different sport. Right. It seems crazy. It's, you know, and it it kind of goes back to the notion, uh, if we were to kind of bring it back around to like computers, is, you know, if you wanted to to use a word processor, right? Use word processing software. You would have to do that on a Windows machine. Well, you just have to. So now I've got a Windows machine. And, uh, but if I want to do some artwork, I have to do it on a Mac. I just have to. And if I want to write some code, well, I've got to get a, a third machine. No one would want to do that. You just want to do it all on one. And you remember the days, the dark days of Macintosh when there was no software for the Mac. There was five applications and they were on the back shelf facing the back door of Egghead software. And, you know, they were these old versions that had never been updated. That's almost like how I feel like we're dealing. We're, we're, we have this amazing technology that allows us to stream pretty much anything on demand wherever we want it. We don't have to store anything like locally on the device that we want to see it unless we're going to be away from the Internet for days at a time. And yet we can't get to so much content. They, they have, have it locked down. And that's because all of these giant media corporations just want to make tons and tons of money off of it. They, they don't, they're not willing to open the door and say, you know what, we'll all be better off if everyone can just get to this stuff. And that's why like HBO now, they, and we've talked about this a lot, they don't crack down on sharing of, uh, sharing of the account because yeah, they but, know. And here's the thing, right. they know that they are creating future uh, future subscribers by doing that. If I say, if you're like Dan, what's with this uh, Game of Thrones uh, season? Is it any good? I'm like, yes, it's very good. And you'll say, okay, 
I don't know if I want to get HBO. I'm like, listen, you just use my password, log in, watch a couple episodes, right? And you'll be like, all right, I'll try it. And you do it and you like it. And you're like, you know what? That's really cool. And at some point, you will say, I need to break off from using Dan's account and just go ahead and get my own. And it might be this season, it might be next season, but at some point, you will say to yourself, there's some content on HBO now that I want, and I'm going to become a subscriber. They know that. They're the one company that's figured out that if you give people a little taste of something for free, they'll come back and they'll pay for it later. Right. They figured this out. It's, it, you it's know, not, there's no like extra, it isn't like giving away free copies of an album in the 1970s or 80s. Right. There's a like, what's, what's that term? There's a term for like this, the margin, marginal cost, but there's not much extra cost to a leak of a service that somebody is paying for. Right. But did you see the article? I just put it in show notes. Did you see the article about cracking down on, I hate that word piracy. Can we just, a pirate is somebody who sells what they sold. People who are watching Game of Thrones are not pirates unless they're putting it on a DVD and selling it in Hong Kong. Right. But whatever. Let's go. No, I, I totally agree with that. It's such a silly term, but like they'll call it downloaders, but they're cracking way down. Did you see that article? Where I am not basically <clears throat> the nut is that I think HBO is contacting ISPs and basically saying like they want names and numbers of IPs that have been using um, BitTorrent specifically for uh, Game of Thrones. Because as we mentioned, whatever, a month ago in our, in our giant rant about this stuff, I think it's the most pirated property of all time. It's up there. Yeah. But I, 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 hear, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but you know, there's also, there's something else. And, and like take this uh, Housewives of uh, Beverly Hills, <laughs> which is a show that my wife uh, enjoys <laughs> and I, I will watch with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's on Brav, Bravo. And there's no way to get Bravo just as, you know, online unless you are a cable subscriber. You can't just watch Bravo. You can't pay eight bucks a month to get Bravo. It's just there and and you either get it as part of your package deal or you don't. So we would have to buy the series on iTunes. And it does, but it doesn't come out right away. It takes at least a day, sometimes two days, sometimes three days. So annoying. Why? What's going on? The show has already aired. It's already streaming if you're a cable customer. It's already streaming and you can log in with your Time Warner Cable account on the Bravo website or app and watch it. So it's out there. Why is it taking extra time? Does it take that long to copy the file to it's Apple deliberate. It's deliberate. I'm sure I have to imagine that it is. You don't think del- it's just a, a big file that takes two, three, four, sometimes days to copy H- over? HBO is HBO streams their shows to my Apple TV when it airs on the East Coast. It isn't like they're trying to hurry and get it zipped up in time to put it up on the internet. It's there. It's been there probably for weeks. Right. It's just, <laughs> it isn't like us trying to get out an episode of this show before drive time. Right. It's, there's, it's an entirely different Right. And so they're, what they're doing is they're penalizing us, but, but even we, though they're can, making can you figure money. out why? But yeah, yeah, yeah. But can't you figure out why? I mean, look at the dust up about, oh gosh, NPR, not NPR, public radio is such a complicated beast right now because there are all these people who have left public radio to go into the podcasting business and go get funded and start these podcasting companies and they want to have these multi-million dollar companies. Gimlet's had something like $7 million in investment or something. They have mm-hmm. giant offices in Brooklyn. That's what podcasting is now to, to most people. Right. I, have you ever heard uh, that show Serial? I don't know if you've ever heard that. No, never heard it. It's the first podcast. And um, 
Okay, but here's the thing. And I, I remember Scott Simpson and I went to, were invited to a public radio conference, what now, probably six, seven years ago. Oh, yeah, it was really neat. And it was put on by public radio and had a bunch of people from all over in the, all over the US came to San Francisco to do this like brainstorming about what could happen, what interesting stuff could happen with public, public media. And um, it was kind of interesting. It was a little bit of a circle jerk. It was hosted by those people at Frog. So there's a lot of like whiteboards and cards and groups and masks and stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but like I, I remember talking to the people with uh, a KLW, which is a, a wonderful station uh, over the pond here that competes very heavily with KQED. KQED has, is the, has the largest listenership of any public radio station in the United States. It's massive. I don't know if they've got the biggest budget. They just certainly don't make the most shows, but they have a very large listenership. And then there's KLW. And it got to a point where KLW was like, look, we can't afford to run Prairie Home Companion anymore. That's six figures a year mm. for us to have Prairie Home Companion on Saturday nights. And bear in mind, that's even at a point when Prairie Home Companion was not available in any form or fashion as a podcast. They're still very resistant to that. But here's the thing. If you go out and buy whatever it costs to get on the media, which is a show that I enjoy a lot. On the media airs on KQED in San Francisco, Sunday afternoons at 2 p.m. But here's the thing. I get that in a podcast feed Friday afternoons <laughs> at like five or six. Right. So I've heard, you know, I've heard that episode before it goes up. I, I don't have a strong feeling about that. I'm just saying, imagine being somebody who's paying for that. So imagine it being the reverse of what you're saying. Imagine that and you, know, you, you know, you and me and our crazy ideas. Like imagine you pay the premium for this movie or this TV show and you get it before it airs. <gasps> Shock horror, right? Yeah. Like imagine how you would feel if you were part of the people, if you were like a, they don't even have Cox Cable anymore, but if you were whoever's bundling this stuff, I guess Comcast. You'd, be, you'd Comcast, be super pissed off. You'd be super pissed off because now the that's the entire um, Barrier. That's the, as they used to, as David Seeley used to say, that's the fish food. That's what brings people in is the fact that you will see it live and here first to the exclusion of other things, full stop. Ditto MLB, ditto NFL, ditto all these other things to get these giant, and I don't mean to sound, I'm not trying to sound like Noam Chomsky or something, but in order to get these giant, giant, multi million, billion dollar deals, you have to have exclusivity. So I'm going to make, before, before we hear about something you like, I want to, I'm going to make a very general, very hasty, very ugly and uninformed generalization about business. And, and that generalization is this. When a business is small and a business is hungry in the, in the contemporary age, when a business is small and hungry, it wants to do everything it can to make it very easy and inexpensive for you to start using their product. So look at all the startups out there that are, you know, where you have an app and a, with a service associated with it. And it's really as simple as getting, yes, a free app getting a free account and then using that thing as much as you want. And now probably in most cases, they want you to see enough value in that, that you'll do an IAP, you'll sign up for a service, you'll get a device, whatever it is. But the thing is, even with the pugnacious attitude that the app store has about things like trials, things still thrive by giving a bunch of stuff away and saying, we want this to be trivially easy for you to get into. Fair enough? Right? You think about, think about back in the days at uh, 37 Signals where you go in and you sign up for Backpack. Mm -hmm which was just one of the greatest web apps of all time. I just, I loved Backpack so much. You go and use Backpack, you sign up, boom, you're in. You're paying a monthly fee. You get this incredibly easy to use service. You can share it with whoever you want. Doesn't matter. You get these teams, really easy to use. Very affordable in a lot of ways, right? That, so doesn't that kind of make sense? If you've got a startup, sure. you don't want people to have to do, like you ever done enterprise sales, like where you, you want to go and spend $2,300 on this product, but you can't because you got to talk to Gene 
who's the West Coast representative. Like, you know what I mean? If you want to get into enterprise stuff, you always have to call somebody and you have to make sure that you get with the right person and they're going to try and upsell you on all the stuff. And it's just, there's no easy way to get into enterprise software. I couldn't get Microsoft Word running without signing up for Microsoft 365. That kind of thing. So here over on this one end of the spectrum, and I'll try and make this uh, as short as it is dismissive. If you're a new business and you're a startup and you're hungry, you want to get as many users as quickly as possible by making it easy, mostly inexpensive to get into. And you know, if you're really cool and you're really smart, you'll also make it fairly easy to get out. So think about like sponsors we've had on this show that say like, hey, try our invoicing service. And you know what? If you don't like it, you could export all of your stuff and take it somewhere else. Right. Right. Like Dropbox. Dropbox is not going to, at this point, hold all of your data. Dropbox made it very easy to use their free service by basically just installing this thing and getting an account. So what happens at the other end of the spectrum? It's my speculation that that inverts more or less. I don't know if it happens on a curve, but as a company gets bigger and turns into an enterprise and has many relationships and many, many employees and many, many deals, whereas it used to be a small, small, hungry company wants to make it very easy to get started and very inexpensive to get started, the bigger a company is, the more difficult they want it to be for you to stop using it. Right. And the more costly and potentially dangerous it is to stop using it. And so think about that. Now, there's one, one other part to this, which is transparency. And I don't mean that in the usual, like, you know, uh, like, you know, frozen beer, frozen speech sense. I mean, just transparency in the sense that Dropbox is a service where I go in and they store my files and I get them in all these places. The, you know, at, at this point, it does not seem that Dropbox is also selling lots of information about you. It is transparent in the sense that you understand what their business is. Okay. How transparent is the way that MLB works? Like, is it very easy for you to know off the top of your head how much it will cost you in the next five years to have this service and exactly which games you can watch? Not really, because they don't, and maybe they don't have that information, but I think they also don't want it to be transparent. They want to become not only your source of service for this, they want to keep you confused. Comcast does not want it to be very clear to you what ways in the world there are for you to get just Bravo. Right. They don't benefit from transparency there. And they don't benefit from simplicity. They benefit from complexity and from bundling and from costly things that introduce a lot of apparent risk by doing anything that changes it. Do you love calling up, uh, what are you, Verizon? Uh, what, AT&T? for cable? A time warner like, cable. Like, I don't like calling AT&T. They're very oh, nice cell people. Phone, yeah. But I'm always worried I'm going to like put my, put my hand in the dragon's mouth anytime I like do anything with PayPal or AT&T or any of these services. I don't even want to like, I don't even want to get near the dragon because I know the whole thing. I feel like there's a risk to making changes to anything. I change my data plan. Ah, what's going to happen? So they can just keep charging me the same amount every month, Right. You know what I'm saying? I guess uh, that's the interesting thing to me is as your company grows, keyword, there are more ways in which it is difficult not to have it become more complicated. As you get more deals from different areas and different regions with different rules and different providers, it necessarily becomes more complex and it becomes nearly impossible for it to be easy to understand, easy to break out, um, and easy to quit, which in some ways ends up benefiting the company until other people come along that do make it transparent, that do make it easy, that do make it clear and do make it cost effective. And I think that's how the music goes around in a lot of ways. You know, you can stick with the thing that your grandparents and parents used, but then on the other hand, you eventually go like, I'm not sure it's worth it to get the New York Times. I mean, I like the New York Times. You ever subscribe to the New York Times? Never. Once, we've done it bunches of times and every time we sign up, 
But they make it easy, right? Step one, come in and get this trial thing for a few weeks. And then the trial expires and I'm, it's shocking how costly it is to get the New York Times. So you got to really, really, really want it. And then finally, look at AOL, right? AOL became a giant company where they actually wanted to rename Warner Brothers AOL after that acquisition. That company became big. What do you know about AOL? You ever try and call to cancel AOL back in the day? No. It was a famously difficult to impossible task to, and then there, there's whole things where people like they people find out, they go home and find out their parents are still subscribed to AOL and didn't know it. Because <laughs> they just can't get call, away from it. And it's virtually impossible <laughs> to get rid of. But how did it all start? It all starts with a plastic <laughs> disc and free hours to get in, right? It's a yeah. lobster. Once you get in and you get the little bit of the good stuff, you're in. And now it gets harder and harder to get out because that's what growth wants. Hmm. Inspired rant. Yeah, really. Dan, did you want to talk about something that you like? Sure. Why not? I can tell you about FreshBooks. 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 FreshBooks is great. I was a FreshBooks customer a million years ago, way before they were a sponsor. And I've been using them ever since. And I, I use them all the time. And it's because they're great. And because I really don't enjoy invoicing or following up with people about getting paid. I just do not enjoy that whole process. I don't enjoy tracking time. I don't enjoy any of it. And generally speaking, people who are freelancers, independent contractors, people who have small, medium-sized businesses, like this is not the fun part of your job. This is the tedious, boring part of your job that you wish was not there and wish that you didn't have to do. So anything that makes it easier, or in the case of FreshBooks, anything that makes it almost a little bit fun is a huge, huge benefit. And that's what FreshBooks is all about. It's day-to-day admin work, but they take it and they make it fun. They make it easy. They make it simple. And the main thing uh, that, that they do is they let you invoice. So you use FreshBooks to create and send an invoice, and it takes from start to finish half a minute, 30 seconds. There's no formulas. You don't have to worry about formatting. Just beautiful invoices every single time. And what's cool is once you sent that invoice, yes, you get all those cool features I've told you about before where you can see when your customer receives it and if they opened it and how many times they've looked at it, which is very useful in actually getting paid because you can say, oh, look, I see they viewed their invoice, but they haven't yep. paid it. I better contact them. But it can also send out automatic like late payment reminders. So if you say that they're on due on a net 30, it'll automatically email them and say, hey, by the way, we haven't received your payment yet. You can customize all those emails. You can create that whole flow and, and control the whole thing. But clients, they can pay you online if you want them to. So it means you're going to get paid a lot faster. That way you don't have to wait for a check. They can pay you right there. They can hook up with PayPal. It can be Stripe. It can be through FreshBooks itself. And there's this cool deposit feature. So you can invoice for a payment up front when you're starting off a project. I mean, all of this stuff and the insights that they have that shows you whether they've looked at your invoice. I mean, that, like I was saying, that that's so cool that you really feel like you're in touch with this whole entire process. So they've set up a cool uh, URL for us. It's freshbooks.com slash back to work, freshbooks.com slash back to work. That'll give you a uh, free 30-day trial. And if you enter back to work in the little how did you hear about us section, we will get credit for that referral. And that helps us a lot. It lets them know that uh, that this spot was effective. So consider doing that. But definitely get yourself over to freshbooks.com slash back to work and, uh, and go give it a try. 30 days for free. That's it. Thanks, FreshBooks.
Fuck, fuck. You got me started on them, what, three, four, five years ago, and I yeah. never looked back. Such such a joy to use. You don't have to worry. It's it's viral in the best way, too, because once you start using it and people see it, uh, they go, wow. They literally, literally go, wow. And, and then they want to use it, too. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was going to promote uh, Roderick on the Line t-shirts, but I'll do that at the end. We should go straight to our topic. Okay. Which we've already kind of gone straight to. May I? Yes. Listener Jacob writes to say, uh, there's this point in a number of shows over the years, and then again in episode 270, where you, where you both will get to a point where you say something like, quote, and I know that public companies need to grow, dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that will ever come up for debate. Ask listener Jacob. Do you think the jackals would revolt if the idea that a company didn't need endless growth as a goal got some consideration? And then funny, oh, I got to add this. Sorry. Admittedly, I'm in A, Canada, and two, the arts. So maybe I'm delusional about what can and can't be proposed. Are these ever questions for a multinational company to ask? That's big enough. Let's hang out here for a while. Wow. He's got more. But I thought that was a, it's a, to me, it's, it's such an interesting idea. Because, you know, what do we know? Well, we know that if you have a company and you have investors, I mean, I'm, I don't know anything about finance and investment, but my understanding is you, you're expected to grow. Carl Icahn is going to sell you off if, if you aren't growing, right? I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. I don't know. I love, I love the notion of that, though. You know, the I, notion I love, that, that, yeah. that, that I want to get to be this company of this size, and then that's, that's enough. I'm content with that. I don't I need has, to make this huge uh, multinational conglomerate that, that it's okay just getting to a point and saying, you know what, we're doing, we're doing well, and that's where we're going to stay. It's got so many hidden angles to it, though, that when I read this, I was like, yeah, I was pumping my fist because there's, there's the somewhat obvious question here, which is extremely interesting. And then to me, like half a dozen less obvious questions. Well, the first obvious question is, wow, you know, the way I would phrase it, what does it mean to have a business that must grow? Like if you, if you've got to be, so for example, like if you're Apple or you whomever, and you're seeing year over year growth in a way that satisfies people and is in line with your stock price and I guess your, you know, P to E and whatever all that stuff is. But let's say things are going great. You know, it's, if everything's going great, people are mostly going to be happy if their expectations are met. But when they're not met, and you're not growing, or you're not growing as fast as people want you to. I mean, yeah. look at the V. Look at the VC um, space, where like there's. A, I, I get the feeling that like you get this money to do this over that amount of time, and here's the expectations. Are you watching Silicon Valley? No. Okay. I'm, um, I'm saving it. I have. I've seen one or two of the first season, and I I liked it, but uh, trying to fit it's it. Okay. In. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but you know, uh, it seems very much a thing that you know we're gonna, you're going to get this amount of investment with the understanding we want 10x back in this amount of time doing something, mm-hmm. and that something is why you're getting the big bucks, why you're getting lent the big bucks is because this is the expectation that you're going to figure out, and you know you can even get this watching Shark Tank, where where Kevin is like you know Kevin comes out and he's like listen I forbid anyone from investing in this. I'm going to end this right now. Here's my advice. Take it out behind the barn and shoot it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like one lady making cookies in her kitchen is not likely to lead to a 10x, you know, and I'm not making this just about VC stuff, but that seems like that's one place the rubber really meets the road is that people are going to expect to see, not just get their money back, to to see huge earnings. And the only way they're going to see the huge earnings is if you grow and grow and grow. So it's such an interesting, I'm sorry, I'm ranting a lot. I had some coffee. The but that, the first question, I guess, is the, would the jackals revolt 
at the idea that a company doesn't need endless growth. But it's my understanding that if you are a public company, it isn't that if not even legally, ethically, in a fiduciary way, aren't you responsible for trying to increase the profits of the people, your stakeholders and investors? Isn't well, that like yeah, I mean, part that, of your and job? That's, that is the whole point of the company. That's the whole point of a C corporation, you know, is, is to make money. And, and make, make more, make money, more money, money every year yeah. than you made last year at that same time. Yeah. So, uh, but I was thinking a lot about this, and then I started, of course, being the liberal arts guy. I started thinking about, well, you know, what do we mean by grow? Um, because you know, I, I guess. And I, what did I write down? I had one idea about this, which is basically all you know, setting aside the legality of what you have to do um, as someone who is running a company. The, to me, the question comes down to what is the second reason that you have a business? And I think that varies a lot. I think for most people who are being honest, there's a pretty common first reason that people have a business. Would you like to speculate on what that is? Uh, to make money. To make money. I think that's a very good, maybe the best reason to start a business is to make money. If you start a business not to make money, then maybe that's, that shouldn't be a business. Yeah. But to me, that's somewhat tied up in the idea is that this is your you know, maybe it's your, it's your hobby you want to turn into extra income as a person. It's extra income you want to turn into most of a job as a person. It's most of a job that you want to turn into a full-time gig. I'm walking up the ladder here. It's growing enough that now you need a partner. It's growing enough now that you need a, a phalanx of various professionals, plus maybe some support staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you keep going up and up and up. And finally, you get to a company. Let's say you got a store, you got a restaurant. Well, now you want to have three restaurants. But like at all of those points where you're, even if you are one person company, a small company, I think you still get to have a diversity of second reasons why you want the business. Do you know what I mean? You know, like you're talking about. Does that question make sense? I think so. Because I mean, I'm just trying to leave it open because, you know, uh, Kevin's going to make fun of you. Robert will be nice and pet your dog, but Kevin's going to make fun of you <laughs> if it is what people disparagingly call a lifestyle business. Right. Right. So if your idea is to have funny socks or hats for bottles, that's a cute thing that you can do at the hippie flea market, but that's nothing anybody's going to ever invest in because that will at best pay your rent, but it's never going to be something that has enough extra money and growth to attract the kind of investors who have five to nine figures to invest in something. Yeah. You know, there was an episode a long time ago that I did uh, for Quit because, yeah, you don't want to, I'm looking at it now, is episode number four in 2012. And uh, Jason Calacanis at this time was sort of like shuttering his, uh, his podcasting thing. I think. And the reason that he was shuttering it was because I'll put that in show notes was because he uh, was saying that at best his podcasting business would be a moderate success. And to a guy like him, if, if this isn't something that's going to show that kind of growth, the kind you're describing, if it's not something that's going to every year, make more and more and more and more money and grow into something bigger and become an, an, an empire of some kind, then at best it will be a moderate success. And to regular human beings, we'd say, moderate success, you mean I'm going to make six figures a year and I'm going to have like cool people working with me and I'm going to get to do something I like? Like what could possibly be wrong with that? Because right now I don't make six figures a year and I don't work with people I like and I don't do the thing that I want to do. So wouldn't well, it be yeah. great to like have those things? 
to a, a regular human like us, yes, that's a big part of the dream. But just, you're thinking as a, you're thinking as an employee, right? Not as an as they say entrepreneur. If you're an employee, you say somebody says to you, "What if I could offer you a job where you would not only make a pretty, let's say we, I can't guarantee it, but there's a pretty good chance that within a year you'll be making six figures. What if I could also tell you that there would be some flexibility in how you do your work." There's some flexibility in what kinds of work you choose to do. Right. There's some flexibility in terms of your time. There's some, beyond the flex time that we offer you here at the university or whatever, what if I could also say to you that there's some flexibility in terms of, um, of, of what comes after this, that you would have some agency beyond the work that you produce in a given month. You would actually have a huge amount of input. Actually, we would need you to help decide where we are five years from now. Well, that's not being an employee. That would require you to do your own thing in some form or fashion, whether that's being on your own or starting a company or getting investors or any of those things. It's, just, it's a totally different mindset, right? It really is. And I, I think for so many people, you know, when, when you hear about this huge offer that Steve Jobs may have made to the Dropbox folks saying, we'll buy you your feature, not a business. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and they said, no, we, we are absolutely a business. And this is... You know, we want to build something big. We want to make something huge. There's so many people right now who are out there struggling. They're doing their own thing. They're running their own business, but they're struggling. They're working real hard, you know, and, and their dream would be to get a million dollar or five million dollar check from some big company and get to work there and then, you know, go live on a beach somewhere. Like <laughs> get, get a one million, get a one million dollar check from someone who now expects you to give them ten million dollars. Right. You know, that's and the, that's the part people leave off. People act like right, you're winning right, the lottery. Right, right. You're not winning the lottery. You're buying a 100% commitment to somebody <laughs> for the next period of time that you can get them 10 times the amount of money they just gave you. It's like the opposite of it's like a debt lottery. Hmm. But but also, I mean, the other part about growth though is that, and and this is this is the part where I say like, what's the second reason that you have this company that you do what you do? It could be because you want to change the world. It could be because like somebody like Marco, like I genuinely believe it when Marco says. That, you know, sure, he wants to make money with Overcast, like he's an American, but I think I do believe him when he says he wants to see their, see that the diversity and independence stays alive as long as possible in the podcast business. And making a good podcast app helps with that. I honestly do believe that. He's making, he's scratching his own itch and trying to help people. But when you talk about growth, like what does growth mean? Growth could also mean, it could mean diversity in the sense that we grow as a small company or as a one to five person operation, we become more diverse. Like if you're Studio Neat, you're going to like, so you look at Studio Neat and you're like, what the hell is this company? What do they make? It's so strange. They make these different things, but like that's, I don't, I mean, I don't know how well they quote unquote do, but right. I own, I own like four things from yeah, them. Yeah. Like they just put stuff out and I buy it cause it's really, it's cool. It's not that expensive. I don't really need artisanal ice, but man, is that thing ever cool? So so growth can mean diversity, meaning we're no longer beholden to this one way of making money. Because isn't that a thing? Like imagine you grow and grow and grow. And again, you think about being salesman of the month at the buggy whip store. Like that's going to be super for a while. But if you're not keeping your eye out for what else is going to happen, that growth is going to become meaningless at a certain point. Because you know, you know what I mean? If you get, what's, what's one measurement? What percentage of this market do we have, right? When you look at the pie graph, for the total number of whether that's electric cars or coffee cups or buggy whips, it would be nice to have a growing amount of that pie. But what if the pie itself is getting extremely small? So your growth in one way is looking great. Your growth in another way is not so super because you're not seeing the future. So if you're growing just in terms of making more dollars, mm -hmm. is that smart? Mm. 
is that's what if what if that growth requires you to burn huge amounts of resources in this one area you've heavily invested in to the exclusion of developing new products or improving the ones you've got, right? Certainly something that concerns a lot of people about Apple, right? Every time we hear that there's going to be a new thing like a car or a watch or whatever, you're like, oh, then why does, is there no money to fix iTunes? This is driving me crazy. Yeah. No, I, that, I think that's a great point. And if you look at Apple now, you know, and this is, I was going to mention this also, if you look at Apple now compared to Apple five, 10 years ago, it seemed like Apple was building really cool stuff that, that they were really excited about. We were also very excited about it and they were doing better and they were not, they, you know, every year and they weren't so much responding to what the industry wanted. They were making stuff that they thought would be cool and then inventing an industry or changing an industry. And now it's, it seems like Apple is performing and acting, I should say, acting much more like a traditional big business. And, you know, you, you, they're very worried about how things are going to go in China. Well, you know, like that's important. And a big business like them, whose second largest market is China, well, they better pay attention to that, right? Like that makes sense. But it, what we're seeing is Apple morphing from a company of uh, this place that makes these really, really cool things to a company that makes things that are pretty cool, some of which work pretty well uh, and some of which are not that great, but that is now being driven by a completely different motivation uh, and a completely different set of rules. Yes, and when you do certain kinds of growth, um, it's going to require, and there's so many different ways you can think of growing, even if you just put it in terms of the result being more money. So that could be what? It could be going into different product lines, right? Yeah. It could be increasing the diversity of products that you have now, products or services. Um, it could be in the sense of going to different areas, opening in, in new places, right? New markets, as they say. Right. Um, it could be changing the way that you take a service that was previously been a commodity and try to turn it into something more bespoke that you can charge more for. But you know, those are all, those can all be kinds of growth. But one thing shared between all of them is that there is a certain amount of risk and a certain amount of exposure. So if you want to grow in those kinds of things, even if it's a fairly modest bet, you also have to accept that like it might burn cycles. It might take investment you hadn't expected, and it may not be any guarantee of a payoff. But at the same time, or they call it a moonshot. Like you get to be a big enough company and people expect you to have a moonshot. People expect you to do a Google kind of thing where you come up with something really outlandish that is likely to bomb. It's like your own version of VC, right? There's like a 90% chance it's going to bomb, but there's like a 10% chance that it might be huge in a way that we don't, you know, can't even know about yet. But for all of those things, it's not just as simple as saying, got to go, grow, grow, grow. I mean, what if that growth is not healthy? What if that growth is not sustainable? And what if that growth causes you to do things and be a person that you absolutely never wanted to be? And even just, not, not to even just be resistant to change, but to say like, no, I, I got into this business because I'm a developer. I don't want to be in sales and mm -hmm. sales engineering. Right. But if I do this, that's what this is going to require. So that's growth and that's good to everybody from the outside. Is that, is that good for you though? If you're the most important developer at the company and you basically become sales engineer slash biz dev, like how good is that for the health of the company? Do you have to, do you have to grow in ways that cause you to do things that aren't just things you don't want to do, but things that you probably shouldn't do? Mm. And I don't know. And it's, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. Um, well, you know, know, and I think, I think it all, the two factors that really start to push companies in this direction are taking investment, VC money, 
uh, or going public and being a publicly traded company. If it's just you or if it's this team of people and the original founders, you can kind of do whatever you want. And you might be able to say, you know what? We've made a whole lot of money for five years. Let's all take a year off and, and kind of work half time. And you know what? We'll lose half of our, our income, but that's all right. Like we've got money in the bank. We can do that. No one cares it, because it's it's up to them. It's up to the people in the company that are doing it. But if you're a publicly traded company or you've got people who have invested, and this is one of the things that you always hear from Kevin, uh, is you know he he'll be like, I'm not interested in a company that's going to pay me back. I want to be paid back times ten, <laughs> you know, or or times a hundred. Like want, I want my money to come home to me, and I want it to bring more money with it. There you go. <laughs> that's and what that, he says. Yeah, but that's well, that's the, the absolutely the the mindset of the investor. We have this kind of notion of like investors who are like, oh, this would be kind of neat. I wonder what's good. Yes, I mean there are angel investors who are doing it just because they want to see someone make something cool and bring it into the world. But that's not real big money. That's not real money. That's not VC money. That's not millions and millions of dollars. That's uh, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. People like Kevin, like they play in a very different space and they they want to see that money times 10 times 50. If you're like an, uh, not an immature, but if you're, if you're a young business person or, or new to this, I mean, sometimes there'll be people that come on there and you're just like, oh, you poor bastards. You have no idea what you're in for. And sometimes that could be the middle-aged lady from Missouri who likes to make lemon cookies. And you're like, "Mm," you know, one of Kevin's classic lines that I have to say actually does go through my mind now is like, "Mm, this is um, like, this is a product, not a company. Right. Like that's, that's a very interesting idea. But the worst, there was one on last week. That was, did you, did you see last week's? No, I missed the, uh, it. No, I haven't seen it oh yet. Oh Lord, these people. Tell me, they, tell they me. Seem, they seem so smart and they come on. And, and so their big pitch is, hey, you know, it rains and people don't have umbrellas. So they have a, oh my Christ. Even my daughter, my daughter was rolling her eyes at this. So here's the idea. You get this thing that's like a vending machine where you come in and it's raining, right? So you need an umbrella, but you don't want one of those crappy ones they sell on the streets, even though that's a very easy way to get an umbrella. Look at them. They fall apart. These things are a mess. So here's the thing. You go to this thing. It's like a vending machine. You run your card. Somehow you put in your email address. I don't exactly understand how you do this while it's raining, but you, you run your card, you do your email address and it dispenses a high quality umbrella that you use <laughs> and then return to another one of their stations. And, uh, and so That's they weird. see big, big growth in this. And I was, I was just saying to my daughter, like, do, do you see, I mean, like I, 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 you think about the pie, here's the pie, here's people in the world. Okay. Here's people in the world in, let's say New York. Okay, good. Here's people in the city of New York on days when it's raining. <laughs> How often does it rain in New York? Well, is it enough to have a business that's working at a hundred percent capacity? Maybe, maybe, but let's, let's keep going. So then you go like, okay, we've got this business. And then, then how many people on days that it is raining, are going to run their credit card in a in this thing to to rent an umbrella and then bring it back. Yeah, and it's like you just think about that pie is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then let's even setting aside how much are you going to have to pay places to place that. It's so like, you know there was that there was that other business remember they did package delivery they wanted to put it inside of apartment buildings. All of these things, these boil the ocean things, where you're going to have to go like solve a fairly minor problem through a giant amount of infrastructure. And they were just all like, yeah, no, <laughs> this, this is, uh, you know what I mean? Those, those come along and you're like, oh, how much could this grow? Or like the guy who had this, he wanted to have the parking service, valet parking that he would offer to restaurants all around the United States. 
And they just they come in there with this like kind of a neat idea, but it's the kind of neat idea you have over Corona's on a Saturday, yeah. but you wouldn't turn that into an actual business. So those ones get turned away, but then some of the ones that get turned away are also the ones who come in and they are actually very far along. I don't know why we're talking about Shark Tank. I apologize. But you got me on this. You got me on this goddamn show and now I really like it. I'm glad that you like it. I love the show. And it's one of those things that when you, when you hear about the idea, you can kind of be sympathetic to and get wrapped up in the kind of like the excitement of like, yeah, look at this cool thing that like they, they want to do this. And wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be neat if we had that thing or if that thing was in the world? And then you hear these people who really know what they're talking about completely tear the idea apart to the point where it's you become like they are mystified that this idea was ever brought before them. But they see, they see the, they see, they, 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 they see, they identify and they microscopically zoom in on interdependencies and just dependencies in the project that this person is either not aware of or is not being straight up about, right? Like even like the two cute little kids who came in and, you know, there's always going to be a problem when you have a business that involves buying a thing for a thing. Right. So if your business involves buying a thing for a thing, well, somebody already has to have the first thing before they buy the second thing. That's a crazy kind of business. So if your business involves something that improves baby bottles, well, then first of all, your entire market exists of people who use and buy baby bottles, but then who are additionally willing to buy something besides a baby bottle. Also, by the way, how long does a family use a baby bottle? Like they're not going to be buying new baby bottles for 10 years. And no. suddenly you see this pie go, boom. Yeah. It just implodes. But you know, there are also the ones where, I don't know, and so why am I saying all this? Because like as, as silly as that show is and as embarrassed as I am that I, that I like it so much, I feel like it has made me think a little bit more about how people who invest in things think, right? It makes me more cognizant. I never really think about this stuff because I'm the same kind of way. I was like, oh gosh, if I ever get an investment in business, well, wow, it's great. You get a check for a million dollars. Let's go to Mexico. Like, no, I think that's not how it works. It's just now the expect expectations go through the roof. And, um, I don't know, I guess the, the thing that's implicit in a lot of what we're saying is like, let's take it as red that if you're a big corporation, you got to grow in whatever way that's defined. But like, how much do we have to quote unquote grow when we're doing things on our own, mostly on our own, or for that matter, when you're working for somebody else, how much do you need to grow? And if you do need to grow, how is a smart way to grow and how will you know if it's going well? Because I think the answer is not always get 10 times bigger at yeah. exactly the thing that I'm doing right now. If that is not sensible in the context of the market and where it's going, that's probably not a smart decision. And at the same time, there's that drumbeat, right? And so we made all these jokes about Shark Tank and, and stuff, but there's still that drumbeat all the time of like, if you're making decisions about what you do based on stuff like your quality of life, you're a loser. Like if Barbara's going to invest in this, she's not working for you, buddy. Like you need to be the one who's out there hustling 24 seven on this. Right. Is that sustainable? Like how long do you want to be, make a giant commitment and then just have to stick with it forever? I knew a guy when I lived in uh, winter park, there was a guy that had made many, many, many millions of dollars running like metal scrapyard companies. And this was a business guy that came from a completely different in, a different industry. And somehow he saw that there was a big opportunity in scrap metal. I don't know how he figured this out, but he became one of the biggest like scrap metal 
dealers, middlemen, whatever in in the country. And you needed scrap metal. I'm guessing it, it like went through his, <laughs> his scrap metal places. But he made millions and millions doing this. And wow. I never got the impression that he was the slightest bit interested in scrap metal. His background was not in scrap metal. This is just this is just what he did. And I met him. He was uh, he was mostly retired by the time that I met him. I think he was in his uh, late 50s, early 60s. And. You know, to hear him talk about it like it it could have been anything. There was nothing about scrap metal that was interesting or special except that he saw an opportunity in scrap metal and said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity and so he, he treated it. it like an investor really exactly and whatever he needed to do to run that business and make it work he did that and uh and and had a very very successful business doing it it might have been lumber yards right or it might have been you know microchips it didn't matter to him it was just that was the thing that he was buying and selling and distributing. And that is the, the core fundamental difference between a very successful business person and a person who comes into it saying, I want to do something that I like, or I really like this idea. I don't think he ever liked the idea of scrap yeah, metal. But he has a very cold eye toward it. He doesn't have very. any kind of emotional... Nope. He wasn't Historical. like, I'm so passionate about this and I really want to do this and, and make right. the, the world a better place. And, and this is something my, my dad did it. My grandfather did. No, he's just like, I see a business opportunity in doing this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I don't care about this thing. This right. is, this is the means to an end for me to build an empire. And he did it. And, uh, you know, and that sounds like boring and everything. It was, but it gave him kind of a pretty nice setup. Well, and, like people who are commodities traders, like right. they don't have a strong feeling about know what corn. they're selling. They don't have a strong feeling about corn this week. It's just that's the thing you invest in this week, right? And when you get used to moving that kind of money around, buying and selling at that level, I imagine you become much more cold-eyed about it in a way that, like, even like, well, it's definitely me, and to some extent, you would not be that cold-eyed in dealing with business today. You know, there's sponsors that come along where we go, yeah, we're not going to do that. You know, or there's all kinds of things that come along where ordinarily, like nobody's going to sit there and vet you on whether you are qualified or appropriate to buy this donut. If you sell donuts, anybody who wants to buy a donut can have as many as they want. And there is no, there's no, even if you have a passion about donuts, you don't have any kind of like thing of saying like, oh, well, you know, uh, you, you know, you're not as healthy as I'd like, so you can't buy this donut or you bought too many donuts or I don't like your face because right. that's the <laughs> right. business is not about faces. It's about donuts. Um, but yeah, so I mean, but the thing is, I guess I'm trying to make sure that at least in my head, this feels very relevant to almost everybody because when, I, and I can't help but think about, again, the, the Jonathan Coltons of the world where like, if you do have some, even like a moderate amount of success doing something on your own, we talk about panic setting in, that's when you start to go, ah, I can't believe this thing worked. Now what do I do? Right. But you know, but even if you're like a, like a radio head or somebody like you're this mostly like independent kind of entertainment thing like what does growth mean for you then does growth mean putting out 10 albums a year well that could certainly be a kind of growth but like is, is that the kind of growth that you want that would be an awful lot of work for maybe not the kind of returns that you would expect does growth mean touring more maybe but does in some cases growth means true like true sometimes growth means quitting sometimes growth means we don't put an album for three to five years and we invest in publishing over here or we invest you know what i mean like that's a different you know if it depends on what you think growth means because, or what growth wants, because growth might mean now it's time to do this other thing. 
that's still a kind of growth for you as a company or as a person, even if it's not a growth for that product line. But like, if that's not the way that you're thinking about this stuff, you're not even going to notice that. It feels like that's off the table. Hmm. So, you know, for somebody playing at our level, which is a very low level, but somebody playing at our level, I think it's an interesting question because like, well, that's the podcast business or whatever. Like what is, you know, I think growth can mean lots of things and I think we shouldn't, I don't know. I I should be disabused of this, but I don't think we should be ashamed about wanting to have a certain kind of life to say that like an unexpected potential dividend of the way that you work is you get some agency in what kind of work you do, how you do it and when you do it. Because I mean, you know, to be able to do stuff like handle some of the duties at home, to be able to do things like, you know, help members of your family, to do things like there's all kinds of things that seem like these very mushy sort of things that you would never want to bring up in Shark Tank. I don't think that makes them less relevant and real. And if that growth comes at the expense of things that you think are valuable, well, that's what makes you different from a company for now is that like you have the agency to decide what kinds of things you want to do. I know it's not going to be all stuff you love doing. But, you know, if, if I think it's, I th- I'm just coming back to that, that dumb thing I said, that what is the second reason that you have a business? What is the third, fourth, and fifth reason you have your business? You don't have to have this written down, but I think it's a very interesting idea. And keep in mind, if I, mean, took I, money, I would think it would be great to write it down, actually. If we took, well, if you took money off the table and let's say that, you know, you're going to make, I'm going to not guarantee you, but like for the sake of this thought experiment, you're going to make 80 to 120% of what you made this year, next year. I can't guarantee what that's going to be, but for the thought experiment, imagine you make 80 to 120% of what you made next year as a business or as a person. Like what, what would you want to change given that now relatively known constraint? Well, I bet a lot of people would say, well, I want to make sure that's actually 140% or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, let's go back to reason number one, but the reason number two becomes really important. It doesn't have to be about values. It doesn't have to be, but I mean, if it is just literally about that bottom line, I would conjecture that is not the smartest way to do it. Because if you're thinking about short to medium term income all the time, that's not helping you prepare for what the world is doing while you're over here putting stuff in your little counting coins in your little pile. It takes that presence of mind about like what's going to be happening in the future. So growth in that case doesn't mean just selling more buggy whips, right? It means being aware that like, hmm, maybe we could make steering wheel covers for cars too. I don't know. One of the things that I often think about in this space, in this, I mean, you know, like I podcast for a living, and the struggle that I think we as podcasters always have, in addition to like, let's make a show that's really interesting, is how do we grow our audience? And should we grow our audience? You know, whenever somebody emails me, like I'll do an episode of the podcast method and they'll like number one question that I get uh, is how do I increase the number of listeners that I have? How do I get, make the show bigger? And my answer used to be, well, like just keep doing a great show, keep showing up every week and, you know, have your listeners tell their friends about it, get it on iTunes and, and, but it's becoming more and more and more and more and more difficult to grow a show or to release a show. If you're a podcaster starting out now, of course it's possible to be the next lore or serial or whatever, but it takes a yeah. long time to, to grow a show and build a show and have an established you're releasing audience. Your, you're releasing your fifth show 
it's not the worst time in the world. But right. if people are not, if you don't have a lot of presence or if people don't know you from other things right. and your topic is not both novel, it's ironically enough, both novel and unique, like, yeah. not novel, but also widely appealing. Right. You know what I mean? It's, if you're just doing a podcast, as Gruber and I used to say, to paraphrase that, like if you're doing a podcast about this one Jawa, like that's not going to be a giant growth thing. And just because it's about Star Wars, don't make it a growth thing either. There's mm-hmm. plenty of podcasts about Star Wars. So yeah, I'm with you. We're, we're, we're avoiding, I don't know if you're avoiding, but I've been avoiding talking about that New York Times article that everybody's been talking about. Marco wrote a great response to but it's yeah, another like one of those articles. Response. Well, you know, it's another one of those things where you you and I joke about this and there's just no, there feels like there's no institutional memory for like these articles that come along three times a year about how podcasts have arrived and yeah. what it means. And the New York Times seems responsible for a lot of them. That article was kind of a mess because there's a lot of stuff in it that was alternately gross and incorrect. But, you know, that's, I mean, is that, does growth mean becoming a company where you have to track your users in order to sell ads? I don't well, know. Here, here's the part. Here's the part that very few people are talking about. And that is, and I deal with this every single day. Like a big part of what we do is, is like the sponsorship side of the podcasting stuff. We do all the shows on five by five and we sell for a bunch of other places too. And like every single day we're talking to sponsors and every single day their main number one focus is how can we make this more like the web? How can we make it like a web advertisement? And for those who don't know how that business works, Merlin knows probably better than most people. Marco put it well, a web page is software. Right. You can, you can run things on the page. Yeah. You can, you, you can, so a sponsor will say, we would like to, what is the CPM? The CPM is how much they're going to pay per thousand uh, views of their ad that they're about to run on your website. And I'll say, okay, we'll pay you this much per CPM. And you go to your automated uh, ad serving software and you type in, okay, there are 50,000 impressions of this one ad. And if you don't deliver on 50,000 impressions of that ad in the time frame that you agreed on, like 30 days, then they'll say, okay, well, you're going to do a make good for us next month. Or they'll say, well, we, you know, you've got to refund us this much. But the fact is they know exactly how many impressions you delivered because the ad reporting software tells you that. They know who those people were. They know where they came from. And this leads us into all those discussions of like tracking and all the other stuff that we don't like. But at the very least, they can come away with these really good metrics that they can run through their systems. They can say, okay, look, here's a graph of all of the views and where they came from in the world. And we know a lot about these different people and these different IP addresses. And this translates to something. And we can see patterns and we can learn about the demographics of the listeners and we can, or the viewers, and we can get behavior patterns from them. And did they click through and what happened when they did click through? They can look at all of that stuff. And the more and more these sponsors, these advertisers are going to uh, agencies. The agencies are doing their selling on their behalf and they're doing everything that they possibly can to make it work like that because that's the medium that, that they understand. That's a place that they want to, to go and that's how they want it to be. They want to know, uh, d- did a unique listener download the episode? Cool. W- what happened after they did that? Did they play it? 
When did they play it? How long after they downloaded it did they play well, did it? They, did they pause did it? They, did they fast forward? Did they skip Did they listen the to ad? our ad? Did right. they definitely listen to our ad? Right. Was it at one speed or two speed? Did they scrub through all of the ads? What does this person do in general? Can we look at the history? What is? Are they listening to half the show or all the show? Now, I would love to know if our listeners listen all the way through to the show or do they stop earlier? Do they listen to the ads? That would be useful for me because it would help us make our shows like better. If people are all leaving after an hour, maybe we should just do an hour long show. If they're listening all the way through, cool, that's good to know too. So that this is useful information for us. But, you know, I I think that this article is so, first of all, they don't understand what they're talking about, number one. Uh, but number two, I think the, the biggest issue here is that all of this stuff, and, and I think Marco put it pretty well in his response to it also, is I think Marco sees podcasters as very empowered individuals. And the way that New York Times and these other places uh, either want to see podcasters or want podcasters be to become is more like what these, uh, these new podcast networks or businesses kind of want to make it. And so the, the model for all of these businesses is come out and have have a have people who are either already in you know have a name in NPR or our media figure come out and be part of this and make a great show and have a hit show and then spawn other properties around it and mm -hmm. then release an app that gives people access to that content and and that app by the way the only reason they're doing it it's not to put all the content in one place and make it easy for you to to download it and listen to it it's to track your behavior they can then take that information back and give the advertisers what they're begging us for which is all of that listener demographic information they not only want to do what do they want to do with it what they want to do with that is they want to start delivering targeted ads they want to give geographically specific ads so that if i'm listening to back to work and i'm on my commute at 5 p.m. I'm listening to Back to Work and I'm in Austin, Texas, and, uh, and maybe they should show me that uh, they should play me that custom ad about ACL tickets. Mm -hmm. OK, but you driving at 2 p.m. in the afternoon in San Francisco or on a train or whatever, you're going to hear a completely different ad. They want to customize all of that. They want to learn all of this. They want us uh, as listeners of podcasts to just be sort of numbers and they want all of this to be automated the same way that it's automated on radio and the same way that it's automated on TV and the same way it's automated on the web so they can target specific listeners and target specific demographics. And this is what they're trying to, to make it into. And what, not only do you have these, uh, these podcast companies out there capitulating, they're not capitulating to this. They're designing themselves to be this and to provide this. And they've figured out that this is the secret to getting the big offices with a lot Lots of employees up there. And that's that's what I think some people who, especially the people who've been around in podcasting the longest, are kind of rejecting. They're saying, well, well wait a minute. Like, we're happy with this the way that it is. And, uh, and, and we kind of like it the way that it is. But just know, like, sponsors don't like that. Advertisers don't like that. And if you were in the situation of the advertiser, if you're about to write out a check for a thousand bucks or ten thousand bucks or more, you want to know how that money's going to work for your business. You want to, to get that return on your investment. So they're doing what's best for them and they're trying to shape mm -hmm. this, this, this industry into something that, that makes more financial sense for them. Can I jump in? Yeah. Just real quick. I, I would, I feel like I want to differentiate potentially 
um, between what we're calling advertisers. Advertisers, let's call advertisers, the people who have a product or service to sell and would like you to use it and they're going to have a marketing budget for that, right? Yeah. That's an advertiser. Right. What do you call the people who are the interlocutors between you uh, and the advertiser? I think, what are they, the middlemen? And right. God bless them. The, I mean, the we work with them, we love the them. Yeah. <laughs> but the people who are the agents, there's two things to know about that. Um, I think they're the ones who want this. And I think they're the ones telling the advertisers, guess what? If you work with us, you're going to get these metrics you can't get anywhere else. I don't doubt for a second that advertisers want their money to go in the right place. There's that old joke uh, about television advertising where the guy says, uh, <laughs> what, what do they say? We waste, we waste about half of our budget on TV advertising, but I'm never sure which half. Right. It's, a, it's just such a brilliant quote. It's so but, good. I mean, I just want to clarify. We're not, we're not, I don't mean to sound like we're being you know, uh, cranky about anybody in particular. And God knows we love the fact that our advertisers have supported us. But I, I, I think the people who are setting a fire and creating all of these, all these dust ups about this are the giant podcast companies, big podcast. Right. <laughs> and the, um, the middle people, the people who are the, the brokers of these ads. Yes. So the, the one thing to know is like, I, I'm sure advertisers want that stuff, but I think the reason you're hearing this and making it into this big story is that it's the in-betweeners are the ones who really want this. And B, never forget that the in-betweeners are not working for you. They are working for the advertisers. Oh, yeah, they are. Yes. Well, don't be mistaken, though, because the thing is, these folks come to town and they say, hey, just sign on the dot on the line that is dotted and we're going to have ads for your podcast. But if you don't read the fine print on these things, you're going to discover, well, you know, Stitcher's got some stuff they want you to do. Were, were you aware of that? <laughs> you know, tune in has some stuff they want you to do. Uh, friends of mine who work at these companies, I, I've rejected some of them because boy did they ever have some crazy ass terms yes not just in terms of revenue split but in terms of what they want you to do that makes the podcast less open and i, I don't i'm again i'm not trying to be noam chomsky i want to make money this is what i do but the thing is i've always said that one of the things i really admire about somebody like jonathan colton is he's very circumspect about who's allowed to screw up his career for a handful of nickels that's what you got to be careful about. And so it's one thing to say, hey, Rising Tide raises all boats. We have great sponsors buying great ads on great podcasts that are putting great products in front of people. But that's a fantasy. That's people are going to buy the ads who buy the ads. The question is like now for us, what does that mean for our growth? It's like, so what do we do? Do we have to go out and start hiring a phalanx of people and getting offices in Brooklyn in order to seem competitive? I would like to think like you, I think, and like Marco, I think, and like all of so many of our friends, I like to think that this system is going to evolve but in order for it to evolve it and certainly it'll, it'll evolve into something that i'll never be able to understand right for somebody to understand the extent to which that podcasts are really radio on the internet explaining what a podcast is to somebody who was on the radio in 1975 would be really difficult right although it is in some ways somewhat really somewhat similar to what they did really I guess, and so I'm, I'm not trying to say this isn't going to change. I'm trying to say that as this does change, I hope it changes in ways that don't screw up the basic way that it got great and stayed great. And I hate to throw around words like independence and openness, but really independence and openness have a lot to it. It is a level playing field in the sense that if you have an RSS feed that can push audio to people, people can listen to your show. Everything else is on you. But there is not anybody who's coming in and by fiat screwing up somebody else's stuff in order to make their stuff come up higher. There's nobody out there who's like, you know, some of these companies want to randomly insert ads into your show, regardless of what your deal is. Maybe you don't want ads on your show, right. but if you want to be on their platform, that's what you got to sign up for. And anytime you do that, now let's go back to Merlin's, you know, 
stupid thesis from earlier. When you when it's small, you want to make when you're small and hungry, you want it easy to get in, right? And really, that's something that's great about podcasts. It is as expensive as the bandwidth and apps that you use. But other than that, it's it's pretty inexpensive for the listener. I love that. But be careful. Anybody who's coming into you know, wanting to make growth in this industry. Anybody who's arriving at this point in 2016, they ain't here because they've loved podcasts. <laughs> right. Otherwise, they would be on our side of the fence going, hey, please don't screw up this thing that mostly works. Like, don't don't make this messed up. There, These are, mm, carpetbagger is such an ugly word. But somebody who, who's coming in and wants to turn this into something that benefits them to the exclusion of the people who are listeners and creators of this stuff, who want to put a want to put a bright line in that intimacy by, I don't know, whatever. Now I do something, Noam Chomsky. I just, this is related and not related to the idea of growth. It's just that it, there's something really attractive about a media, about a medium or a format in which there is a, a kind of basic um, fairness to it in the sense that all other things being equal, we're all pretty much playing with the same deck of cards. Yeah, sure. I, I'll bet you Alec Baldwin has a lot more money to spend on production than we do. You know, I can certainly promise you. I, there's a, I was listening to that long form interview with uh, Ira Glass from a year or two ago. You ever listen to that? There's a podcast called Long Form. It's really good. They had a great interview with um, Ira Glass. I mean, they used to be four people working on a weekly show and like barely getting it out. And now they've got, they're working on eight different things at a time. It's a company and that's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, that's a different kind of thing. But at the end of the day, he's got the same RSS feed as everybody else has. Yep. Within, you know, within reason. But, you know, I just, I, I would hate to see that go away, partly because I've enjoyed the way that this got to be not just a career, but an obsession for me. Um, but also that I'm very circumspect about, as Thoreau says, you know, enterprises that require new clothes. Something that would require, a, for the promise of growth, to have to throw away a lot of what's made this pretty good in the past and makes it extremely risky for the future. I don't feel great about that. That's a growth that feels harmful to me. And a growth that may not even be real. Yeah. It's a speculative kind of growth. Yeah. It's like I said on Twitter the other night, you've got to be careful of anybody in your life who offers you the promise of money. Or no, somebody who offers you the possibility of money, the chance of money in exchange for the certainty of control. Because once you give up control, it's not your money anymore. It's their control and their money. So anybody who comes along, remember, they want 10x on whatever you're doing. And then this sounds like FUD and I'll own that. But I think it's kind of true. People who come along at this, at this stage of a medium are not here because they love it the way it is. They love it because they think they could turn it into a thing that's going to work right, the way right. they're oh, we, we know We know business. We know how to do it. Here's this thing. They don't know what they're doing over in there in podcasting. We'll come in there and we'll fix it up. We'll do, we'll do what we always do. We'll make it right. We'll make some money. And if you're into, to, to paraphrase Marco, if your stated dream and all of this, if your dream state is to make it like the world of web publishing, really? Like that's, that's, that, that, that's, 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 that's the model you're going for. That's Greg, what good one. Looks like is you, you, you turn <laughs> this into the, just, just this giant steaming shit barge that nobody wants to look at. Right, anymore. right. Wow, Hakuna Matata! I guess we've really, we've really succeeded. You yeah. know, we've gone from like from you look nice today to like we're <laughs> we're gonna insert ads into your show that you never wanted. Anyway, right. so growth it's complicated business. Yep. Did you did you you didn't have another sponsor? Did you? Yep. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Dan. Yes. Did you want to tell me something you like? Sure, I'd like to tell you about parachute. Parachute. They give a sheet. They. 
you coined that right <laughs> here on la- last week. Dan, we're just idea guys. Uh, you know, I thought about that and I was saying, you know what? Maybe it should be they don't give a sheet. Oh, they sell a sheet. They sell a sheet. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, they're going to have to run with it. With just, we're just idea guys. Yeah, just yeah. Idea, doing the idea thing. Dan, what's Parachute do? They're an online betting brand. They sell sheets. You can make bets? You can. Because great sleep starts with your sheets. It's true. This is the first layer of comfort that you have if you think about it when you lay down in your bed you're not laying on on a on a, on a mattress you're laying on the sheets just think about it people don't think about that but it's true they're not, think, they're not thinking about that you're, you're 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 in proximity to a bed but buddy you're sleeping on a sheet if there was no sheet you wouldn't sleep on that mattress sleep on bed you want to sleep the bed is made up of the sheets you don't sleep on bed you sleep on sheet sleep on sheet Sleep on sheet. From uh, sheets to, to comforters, they do all of this stuff there. Beautiful, simple website has great pictures of all the different, uh, different sheets and bedding sets that they make. And the, the way they break this all down is they have like, you know, the, there's the regular sheets, there's the pillowcases, but they also do these things called duvet covers. Women know exactly what a duvet cover is. Including me. I know what a duvet is. All women, make- Merlin. All, not all women. Not all women. What about cases for pillows? Do they make those? Yes. The kinds that slip onto your pillows? Yes. And they do. So you don't sleep on pillow, you sleep on sheet. You sleep on sheet. Sleep on sheet. In Europe, they don't use the top sheet. Mm-hmm. So you go to the website, you look at these, they have different materials. Uh, they, so you can pick the material that you like, you pick the color that you like, you can mix and match these things apparently and it'd be very stylish. And they are delivered right to your front door. They have free shipping. They have free returns. Uh, 30-night risk-free guarantee. So you don't like it. 30 nights later, you can be like, ah, didn't like it. Send it back. That's not yeah. going to happen. But if it does, look, they're taking care of you. This is a nice thing that they do. United Nations, nothing but nets. They send these nets out. And the nets protect human beings from mosquitoes that carry the malaria. I hate mosquitoes. Everyone needs nets. Everyone needs nets. That could be their... People need nets, you sleep on sheet. <laughs> you're, not on a, you're not on a bed, you're on a sheet. Think so, about it. So here, really, are, they, are they really thinking about it, Dan? Because I don't think they're really thinking about it. Do you sleep? It. Did you know that 40% of Americans sleep without a top sheet? I have this. This is a fact. I have I'm reading a, it right from du- my sheet. We're a duvet family. So you go no top sheet right onto the duvet. Sleep on sheet. Just duvet. <laughs> just duvet and what God made what God made me right there. Mm-hmm. So just, if you, the only thing in my bed is me and imagination. Do you know how the fitted sheet is impossible to fold and can't be folded? They yes. actually did a little blog post about it. It is possible to fold it. Is that a life hack? I guess. Parachute, you go to parachutehome.com slash back to work. Parachute home.com slash back to work you 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 get your sheet you get your duvet you get your bedding essentials and you get $25 off your first order if you use the code back to work so again parachutehome.com slash back to work code for 25 bucks off is back to work thanks very much to them over at parachute for the sheet Dan Benjamin no 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 no
You got it down now. Mm-hmm. We need to get you one of those Tibetan singing bowls. Would you use that instead of a, a bell if I got that for you? Uh, sure. Have you heard sure. one of them? There's a technique. Singing bowl. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen this. I've seen. I, I, I've, I've heard the caged uh, bowl sing. Um, if you like the show that I do with John Roderick, Roderick on the line, we are selling t-shirts. This is the only way that we ask There's you There's a listener, bell on the shirt. Bell on the shirt. Sleep on bell. You can go to uh, <laughs> cottonbureau.com or you can go to Roderick. If you go to roderickonthelinecom and look at the latest, uh, um, issue as we call it, <laughs> latest episode, you'll see some things there. I put a couple links into show notes. Uh, we don't normally ask for uh, money or things from you, but if you wanted to support the show, isn't this ironic in the midst of all this growth stuff? This is a thing we've done once before. This is the second time we're doing it. You can get a shirt with a beautiful bell on it. Uh, you can also get a shirt with uh, the uh, hashtag uh, super train on it. And they're really handsome. And uh, I think hopefully today, but uh, we're doing something we've never done before with our friends at Cotton Bureau. This week, we will also be, for the first time, releasing clothing for children. Really? So, you can get a bell on a onesie. Like for a, homeless kids? Oh, like a net. You could get anything, really, on the internet. A net Benning? A net Benning, sure. Sure, you could get a uh, net Funicello. That's that kind of pasta that's got uh, little girls in it. <laughs> peck pong, peck pong pet. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm doing a terrible sales job on this, but, uh, these are I good shirts. These are high quality shirts. Well, I buy lots of stuff from Cotton Bureau. They, they, they make great stuff, but I just want to say, um, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of going out and saying to people, Hey, give me money. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to support the show and you would enjoy having a shirt, if you enjoy Roderick on the line, which give, John him, give him money, just go to get the shirts. Um, but yeah, go, go check it out and you can see it in uh, show notes. One shirt episode. is a, it's a gray shirt. Which got the bell, which has little Heather. got Heather, little ringing. It, it's it's ejecting it's called, sound. It's called ding rays. Ding rays. They had to put that on there so it wouldn't look as much like a booby. Oh yeah, look See, at that! If you imagine without the ding rays, mm, we got lots I like of comments. That shirt. So Roderick on the line underneath it, and then the other one is the hashtag Super Train shirt, which is a dark gray. charcoal 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 v Heather. One of the landmark Supreme Court cases. Uh, so yeah, I just mentioned. Do you that have because, a, Do you have one shirt that's maybe you want to see do better than the other? Is it a competition? I love all my children equally, but okay. um, I, I I honestly I do like them both. I'm buying them both, I'm buying lots for my family, and um, the uh, but I think the Bell one is is very well done. Jay, our friend Jay Finelli, I believe Jay Finelli at Cotton Bureau designed that for us with John. I told John I didn't have the cycles to work on this. You go do it, and he did it with Jay, and uh, they've done a great job with it. Nice. I just show up. You only wake me for the important meetings. Yeah. George Costanza. There you go. Remember that? We only wake you up for the important meetings. I like that. I like that whole show. The ocean's called. The ocean called. <laughs> They're running out of shrimp. <laughs> oh, it's been a big week. Yeah. So you'll, uh, you'll circle, circle back with Monica. Yeah, I'll circle back. Oh yeah. I'll circle back. Oh yeah. Don't worry about that. All right. Uh, we good for this week? Yeah. Growth. That got weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all right, huh? Oh, yeah. It's, no, this is a good one. Yeah. One for yeah, the one, ages. One for the ages. A-E-G-I-S. One for the ages. Yeah. One for the giant shield in the sky. <laughs> Remember when he got the shield and the sword? In the Clash Sh- of the Titans, he got the shield and the sword? Oh, I love that guy. That's such a guy good guy. from thing. L.A. Law. Yeah. Got the snakehead lady. Yeah. And the electro owl. Medusa. And even, even in the bag... He could pull her head out of the bag yep. and she'd still, even dead. Still stone you up. Still stone you. 
still stone you up. That and, uh, freaked me out for years. Oh, and the, the guy, the 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 Cal guy man? that was turned, yeah, it turned into the pan looking devil guy. You got a kraken. Got to release the kraken. Right hmm. now, you do or. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. 